Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this time. And thank you, children, for starting us off in this time of worship. Uh, Father, we just praise your holy name. And we ask this morning, uh, Father, that as we open your word, as we sing about your name, Father, that we would have clean hands and a pure heart, that we would ascend the hill of the Lord. Father, I pray that we would hear and listen to that which you are speaking, that we would place it into our lives. Uh, Father, as I pray every week, place me on the front row and let me also place into my life that which you are speaking. I am desperately dependent on you. As I proclaim your truth, as we sing your praises. So Father, this morning, we want your name to be glorified in this place. It's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome and happy Mother's Day. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. Today we're going to talk about just that, that if we are in Christ, we are a child of God. We're a new creation. Why don't you stand together and welcome those around you to Luke 418 Fellowship today. Who am I that the highest king? would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me and oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Ransom me, his grace runs While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am in my father's house. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Sing it out. Yes, I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Sing it one more time, church. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Amen. That's his good and best and greatest gift that we can be called children of God. Have his righteousness and not ours. He is the fount of every blessing. Let's sing together. Come thou fount of every blessing. 
tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise, and teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the power I fixed upon it. How great a debtor. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a debtor. Find my wandering heart to be. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my found of every blessing and through him we can have that assurance that we are Jesus and nothing Jesus is and nothing can take us out of his hand amen let's sing together blessed assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit washed in his and this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Oh, perfect submission, all is at rest, I am my Savior. And blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness and lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. You may be seated as we continue in worship. Romans 8 tells us, that for all are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we call out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be also be glorified with him. Through the name of Jesus, and only that name, we can be adopted into the family of God. I know as a parent, I put a lot of weight on, on parenting my kids and find a lot of worth in that. But if we're not putting our worth or in our identity in the right things, then we're doing it for naught. Amen? Let's speak the name of Jesus today. Let's worship the name that is above every name today. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Praise his name today. Your name is power. Your the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Sing it with me. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the whole name, Jesus, amen. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, and Jesus in the over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, Jesus, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life, your name is life, break every stronghold. Jesus 
over every heart and every mind because i know there is peace within your presence i speak jesus and at the name of jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord I pray that we do that today and all the accomplishments every decision that we make, that we lay it at the feet of Jesus, that he would do it for his kingdom and his glory and his honor today. Let's sing together. We fall down and lay our crowns at his feet. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Oh, the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, 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 holy is the land. fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus it's the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus and we one more time. We cry, holy, holy, holy. Sing it out. We cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Let's pray together. Lord, we know that you are holy. You are righteous and you are just. We know that you cannot abide sin. And we are hopelessly wicked. But you made a way for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the blood, for the sacrifice that he made on the cross. We thank you that he did not stay dead, but he rose from the grave. Now we can live a life as a new creation, as a child of God, knowing that every blessing that comes from you is a good and perfect gift. That we have that blessed assurance that one day we will be with you and cry, holy, 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 forever and ever, amen. But as we strive and as we work today, we pray that you would lead us through your Holy Spirit that confirms in us that we are a child of God. We pray today that we would not cease in calling out to your name, thanking you for what you have done pleading with you to give us more grace to do the things, the good things that you have put out for us to do that we would take up our cross daily and live by faith in your wonderful and beautiful name we pray Amen Or a 
teacher or a woman all alone, but she's someone else entirely when she prays. She's a prayer warrior. with a lot of different emotions. For it's a day of joy for some, knowing that their children are walking with the Lord. And while others, it's a painful day thinking of their child being wayward. Others' sorrow fills their heart as they desire to have children, but yet at this time, they still have not. They're single mothers who have joy of raising their children, but the pain of raising them as a single parent. And others rejoice in the memories of their mother, but at the same time, they miss them dearly. 
today comes with a lot of emotions. For those who are born again today, we can rejoice in the God of our salvation. And we are blessed no matter what the circumstances are in your life today. Today we're going to look at some spiritual truths from the life of Hannah. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's open up to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot today as we look at this prayer of Hannah. The difficult situation that she found herself in. And how we see God answer in a mighty way. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 4 to the end and chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord All the days of his life, and a razor shall not come on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, for only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard, and so Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away the wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord. I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel saying, Because I have asked of the Lord. Then the man, Elkanah, went up with all of his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him and may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up, to her, up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephod of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh all Um, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked for. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. 
and he worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemy because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible passage. And Lord, we pray today that as we look into this, that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear that which you are speaking. Father, I confess that I am desperately dependent on you this morning, as I am every morning to proclaim your truth. And so, Father, let your word go forth, and may your name be glorified. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In church, Hannah found herself in a painful uh, situation. And in this passage, we see Hannah's response to a painful situation. Now, we, we recognize that the Lord had closed her womb. Now, I think that's very interesting. We see the sovereignty of God in this moment. I've underlined in my, uh, in my Bible on, pay, on page, on verse 5 and also on verse 6, it says the Lord had closed the womb. God is the author of life. Only through the breath of God do we see life in the scripture. Genesis, God created man, but then he breathed into his nostrils life, right? And so we see here God's sovereignty in this. Hannah responds to what Peninnah is doing to her. Peninnah is the other wife of Elkanah, and she is saying, hey, you know, like, I know that he loves you, but, but you don't have any children. And she began to provoke her. She began to irritate her, as the scripture says, to make fun of her. And can you imagine what your response would be in that situation? I mean, think of the pain of not having a child, desiring a child, and then somebody provoking you in the midst of it. But what I love is that Hannah had a response instead of a reaction, Uh, Church, when we react, we want to defend. We want to fight off what is happening to us. But when we respond, we follow God's truth. Now, let me just tell you, the emotions were real. The emotions are real. It even says in verse 7 that Hannah was in tears over the painful remarks. It says, so she wept and she would not eat. The emotions of what was taking place in this moment were real. Church, we have people who will say things, do things that will hurt us in life. And the emotion that comes is real. God created us with emotion. But we can't let the emotion lead our response. We must let the truth lead our response. See, in this moment, if she would have let the emotions lead her response, then she would have been arguing back with Peninnah. She would have been angry at Peninnah. But we don't see her bitter or angry towards her. But instead, we see Hannah's response. And it's that she worshipped and prayed. That she sought the Lord. Look at what it says down in verse 11. Uh, excuse me, in verse 10, she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. What was Hannah's response in this painful situation? Instead of being angry and bitter towards her rival, towards this other person, she responded in prayer. Church, let me ask you, what do we respond when we are in difficult situations? Are we trying to defend ourselves? Are we trying to argue and become bitter? Are we trying to fix the situation? Or do we respond by falling on our knees in prayer? I love how Hannah is falling on her knees, crying out to God. She pours out her heart before God. It says that that Hannah was praying in her heart. And when she was praying in her heart, her mouth wasn't, or her mouth was moving, but, but Eli couldn't hear the words. You know, I love this because it reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which we've been in for the last year, we'll finish in the next couple weeks. But in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus, speaking about prayer, said this, But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
Do we not see this in Hannah's life? Yes, she's in front of others, but in her heart, she's crying out to God. Church, do you realize that you can cry out to God wherever you are right in your heart? You know, they say that that prayer has been removed from school, but prayer can't be removed from school. Why? Because people can pray in their heart to God. Isn't it amazing that the creator, God of the universe, hears your cries even when they're in the depths of your heart. Even when there's not words being spoken. But in your heart, you're crying out to God. Church, do we cry out from our heart to God or do we try to fix the situations in our life? As I was writing out and thinking through this message, one of the things hit me and I said, Lord, I want to be known as a parent that is a prayer warrior more than a fixer. I want my children to know me more as one who's going to fall on my knees and cry out to God on their behalf more than one who's going to be the fixer of all their situations. Church, the scripture even tells us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything what? Pray. Hannah had this response. And this response was not simply anger or bitterness towards the other person. The response was prayer. And not only did she pray in her heart, but I love what verse 15 says. It says, but Hannah replied. She said, I have poured out my soul before the Lord. I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Hannah is saying, I have laid There is nothing that I've hidden. I've laid all things bare before God. I have poured out my soul. I've shared everything that is going on. My desires, my hopes, all those things I have laid out before Him. Church, we must remember that there is nothing that we can hide from God. Psalm 139 speaks of this so clearly. Oh Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too high. I cannot attain to it. And then verse 16, it says this in Psalm 139. It says, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when as if there were not one. Church, Hannah's response was to fall on her knees in prayer, not to become bitter and angry with the other person, but to pour out her soul, to pour out every bit of what she's walking through, to cry out to God and to speak to the Creator Can I tell you that in this response, she also didn't become bitter with God. She didn't become bitter with uh, Peninnah. She didn't uh, become bitter with God. She cried out to God. How often do we get frustrated in a situation and we're like, God, where were you? Or you say, God, how did you allow this to happen? Or God, you didn't answer the prayer. Or or, or maybe, I've, I've heard this so many times, somebody says, This person passed away, and and so I'm mad and angry at God. Hannah didn't become bitter and angry with God. Instead, she fell on her knees and poured out her soul before God. Can I tell you how to keep yourself from becoming bitter and angry with God? First, you must realize that it's because of sin that there's pain and hurt in this world. It's because of sin that took place in Genesis chapter 3 that there's pain and hurt. You want to be angry and mad at someone, be mad at Satan. He's the one who deceived Adam and Eve. And it's because of the fall of man that we experience the pain and the hurt. But church, the other way that we don't become bitter and angry with God is when we recognize that God loves us unconditionally and that His ways are greater than our ways and His thoughts are better than our thoughts. His plan for our life is greater than any plan you could ever put together for your life. If you think that you have a better plan than God, then be careful. You're going to be angry and disappointed with Him when He had nothing to do with that. Church, God's plans are perfect. He makes no mistakes. 
You remember the Sermon on the Mount? He said that he's a good father who gives what he knows, that which is right and good to you. It's good for the kingdom of God, it's right for the kingdom of God, and it's right for you. That may go past our understanding. And let me just say it this way, it will go past your understanding. Church, Hannah did not become bitter with God. She did not become bitter with uh, Peninnah. Instead, she fell on her knees and she cried out to God. The second thing that we see is that in her prayer, she is, she's living a life submitted to the Lord. She, Hannah's submission to the Lord is seen. Let's read the prayer in verse 11. O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but, I, but will give your maidservant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Wow, this is powerful. First off, Hannah is giving back to the Lord that which she desired. Her greatest desire in life was to have a child. And she's already saying, it's yours. We sing this song, right? Every blessing you pour out on, I'll what? Turn back to praise, pour back to praise, lay back to praise, right? Church, do we realize that if we live a life submitted to the Lordship of Christ, that even every blessing in our life is to be used for His kingdom and for His glory? But how often do we get sidetracked? Ooh, I'm so thankful for these blessings, Lord, and I'm enjoying them. Listen, they're for us to enjoy, but to be used for his kingdom and for God's glory. Hannah shows her life of submission to God by saying, the one thing, the greatest thing in my life that I want, I lay back before you. In this moment, she uses this, this idea of a razor won't go to his head. What is she speaking of? But the, the Nazarite vow. And in the Nazarite vow, it was ultimately saying that he will be dedicated to you. All right, the Nazarite vow said that, that you won't cut of their hair, they won't touch of dead animals, and they won't uh, partake of the wine. There's another famous Nazarite in the scripture. Who is it? Samson, right? Remember, ultimately, when he had his hair cut, what happened? He lost that strength. But I love the end of Samson, because at the end of Samson, they put him before Dagon to, to dance and all these different things, and he said, Lord, give me strength one more time. And he tore down the temple, and in that moment, there was more false prophets that passed away in that moment than he had seen. Uh, church... Hannah, in her prayer, shows her submission to the Lord. Do we show our submission to the Lord in our prayer? Uh, Father, your will be done. Your will be done. Uh, Father, here's my heart's desire. I lay it before you, but whatever you do is what's best and what's right. Hey, let's just be transparent. That's hard to pray, isn't it? Because we think we know what's best and what's right. Hannah says, hey, I lay it back before you. I lay my son back before you. In Hannah's submission, we see that in her prayer, but we also see her follow through. through. In verse 27 and verse 28, it says, For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked for. So I have, so I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord. She followed through with what she said that she would do as she cried out to God. And at church, this passage is quoted oftentimes in, in child dedication. We stand up here on the stage and Melanie does a wonderful job of presenting the scriptures and the truth. And, and we as parents say that I dedicate this child to the Lord. And we oftentimes hear this verse and then you as the church say, hey, I support them and I'm going to walk with them and I'm going to help them. I'm going to ask this question. How many times do we think about that outside of that day? How many times outside of that day do we think about the fact that I have dedicated this child to the Lord, and I'm going to follow through with this. 
See, oftentimes that can become a tradition. Well, we need to get up here. We need to stand before the church. We need to get the the nice certificate so we can say that I have dedicated this child. But church, can I ask, are we thinking daily about the fact that we have dedicated our child to the Lord? But can I go even further and say, not just to the parents that have stood up here and we've done baby dedication, but to the church, do you take it serious, the fact that you have said in those moments that you're committing to help walk with the families in raising those children in the way of the Lord. Now you may say, well, David, I, I, you know, I haven't even thought about it. I, I, I've never asked if they need help or, or these types of things. Well, let me just tell you, you can pray. I have a just turned 11-year-old. I think she's 21 next week. And I've got an 8-year-old. What they're growing up in this culture is something I've never seen before in my life. I mean, literally in the school systems, which my kids have not had to deal with this, but in so many school systems, they can't even determine whether it's a male or female. Church, our children are growing up in a culture that is so anti-God. Are you committed to praying for the children of Luke 4.18? As Hannah submitted before the Lord and laid Samuel down before the Lord, we as parents of Luke 4.18 lay our children before the Lord and say, join with us in crying out before God on their behalf. What about... Matthew 18, where it says anyone who causes a little one to stumble, that it's better for them to have a millstone. Those who are going to Israel in two weeks with me, you're going to see a millstone when we go to Capernaum. They have one there. And it says it's better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. You say, well, I'm not going to lead any child astray. Let me ask you this question, church. Does your lifestyle point to Jesus? Does your lifestyle point to Jesus? What does your lifestyle lead the children of Luke 4.18 in? Church, we must recognize as, as Hannah submit submission towards the Lord, laid down what she longed and desired before the Lord, we too have submitted and laid down our children. And, and I know that each of you in this room have as well. And we must be following through in prayer, crying out, and helping one another in the raising of these children in the way of the Lord. Now, I will tell you, parents, that does not excuse you. I've heard people say, well, I want the church to, to bring my kids up in the way of the Lord. No, that's not, that's not the church's full responsibility. It's our responsibility to come alongside and help you. The third thing that we see in this passage, first we see Hannah's painful uh, response in a painful situation. We see her submission to the Lord, but then we also see Hannah's patience and intentionality. It says in verse 21 and 22, it says, Then the man Elkanah went up, to all the, went up with all the households to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vows. But Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Church, Hannah did not rush, but patiently waited for Samuel to be weaned. She was very intentional to the needs of her son. We recognize that when kids are very young, like as in just born, we must be intentional to their needs. You know why? Because they won't live without us being intentional to their needs. They can't survive on their own until they become older. But can I tell you the concern is, is that as they're able to survive on their own, as they're able to go to the, to the refrigerator and get food out, as they're able to um, dress themselves and hopefully wake up on time for school, oftentimes our intentionality begins to slow down a little bit. Oftentimes we find ourselves, oh, whew, okay, we got through those stages of life. You know, I don't listen to much country music, but there is a song out there that says you're going to miss this, right? And it is true. 
I'm still believing that, 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 that uh, my kids have grown up so fast. And I'm like, man, I miss those days where I was so intentional because they required it. Church, are we intentional in the lives of our children? Are we patient with them? Do we see them as a blessing? There's an example in the New Testament of someone who was very intentional, and that was the mother and grandmother of Timothy. They were so intentional in putting God's word in his life. It says this in 2 Timothy 1, 5-7, Paul speaks, he says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. To the laying on of hands, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Paul goes on in chapter 3 to say this, You, Timothy, however, continue in the things that you learned and became convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, knowing that you learned them from your mother, your grandmother, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then the famous verse, all scripture is God breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Church, we see the intentionality of Timothy's mother and grandmother to pour God's word into their life. We see the patience and the intentionality of Hannah, uh, of Samuel at a young age. We see this intentionality continue on in Timothy's life from his grandmother and his mother. Church, are we intentional in placing and teaching God's word into kids' lives? I can tell you we're probably intentional about teaching them right and wrong. But there's something way more important than right and wrong. And that's God's holy word. If you teach them right and wrong without God's word, they're going to grow up very legalistic. I've I shared this story with you before, but I remember one time that I was walking out of a store with my son Samuel and, well, Leslie and Emmy, we were all together, and, but we were going separate ways. I was going to get in my car, and they were all going their way. I think they were headed home, and I, I walked up to Samuel, and I said, Samuel, be good for dad. Anybody ever said that before? Don't raise your hand because I'm about to tell you that it's wrong. Samuel, be good for dad. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. Do you want Samuel to be good for you? Or do you want Samuel to obey my word? And so I changed my parenting in that moment and said, I don't want Samuel to be good because daddy told him to. I want him to do what is right because God's word tells him to. I want Samuel to honor his parents, not because I'm simply his dad. You better honor me. You better obey me. I'm your dad. Have you ever said, they say, why? And you say, because I'm the parent. I'm sure that's never happened with y'all. But church, I realized that I don't want Sam growing up with his dad being the standard. I want God's word to be the standard. And so we must pour God's word into their life. And instead of just saying, don't do this and don't do that, we say, God's word says. Now for us to do that, we've got to be in God's word, don't we? Are we intentional in the lives of our children? Hannah's response in a painful situation was prayer. Hannah's submission to the Lord was to give back that which she so longed for. God, your will be done. Hannah's, well, Hannah was patient and intentional. And then we see, and I love this, in verses 1 and 2, Hannah's song of praise. Hannah's song of praise. Look at what she says. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth shall speak boldly against my enemy because I rejoice in your salvation. Hannah rejoiced and, and sang praises to the Lord because she had seen salvation from her enemy. 
Now, first and foremost, she had seen salvation from her enemy who was irritating her and coming against her and and speaking all this negativity towards her. And through her prayer and supplication, God opened her womb. She was given a child. She laid it back before the throne and she said, God, you have brought about salvation in this situation. But church, we know the greatest enemy is Satan. Do we rejoice? Do we sing songs of praise? Because God has saved us from the enemy of Satan. Uh, Think about this for a moment, church. Before salvation, those who before you knew Christ as Lord and Savior, you were destined to hell. The Scripture says you were children of wrath. The Scripture says that your sin separated you from a holy God. And God in His great agape, unconditional love sent His Son, Jesus, to die the death that we deserved. Church, upon the cross... The kids sang it just a few minutes ago that upon the cross, he took our sin. He bore our sin on the cross. And the scripture says that he gave us his rightful standing, the righteousness of Christ he gave us. Church, I don't know about you, but if you have been born again, I believe that when we sing songs about the the, the glory of salvation in Christ Jesus, the glory of God and what he has done, our hearts should be overwhelmed as much as Hannah was about the fact that she had been given a son. Church, there's a song that I'm reminded of. We didn't sing it today. We've sung it many times. It's called... uh, Oh, goodness, now I'm forgetting the name of it. But it says in there, Satan has been vanquished and Jesus is king. What's the name of it? Sing to the king. Sing to the king. And it says, Satan is vanquished and Jesus is king. And I'm telling you, when I sing that song, I'm ready to just go crazy. And you're like, David, you're already crazy. I know, I get it. When we sing songs like, like it is well with my soul and it talks about the salvation that we have and, and, we, talk, and we sing songs uh, of how great thou art and it speaks about the salvation. Church, are we overwhelmed with the joy that the enemy has been defeated? Or do we just become kind of traditional and singing songs and yeah, Jesus, yes. Are we like Hannah Hannah sings this song of praise because of an enemy, a person that was speaking unkind towards her. God gave her a son. He answered that that request. But church, we can go so much further now that we see Jesus upon the cross and praise God. He rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And Hannah goes even further. She says, praise the God of my salvation. I believe that in this praise, she is also speaking of the fact that she is in Christ. In God. But then she says this in verse 2. She gives a proclamation of who her God is. She says, there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside him, nor is there any rock like our God. Church, I'm telling you, when I start seeing those words, I'm like, what are we fearful of? There's no one holy like the Lord. Listen, when I sit there and I think about raising my children in this culture, I can say, oh my goodness, the culture is so bad. Oh, I've got to protect them from everything. Or I can say, there is no one holy like my God. I can say, hey, there's no rock like my God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. This culture has nothing on my God. As we raise our children and we fall on our knees and cry out to God, we don't have to be so fearful of all the things going on around us. We can say, my God is holy. The culture will bow down before my God one day. For every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
So church, as we close this time, here, here's what I want you to, to, to see. There are many painful situations that we're going through. Hannah was going through a painful situation. But instead of getting bitter and angry with the other person, she fell on her knees in prayer and it led her to a place of rejoicing. Church, you may be going through some really tough stuff today. Maybe you have a, a, a wayward child or a wayward grandchild. Listen, we can fall on our knees, we can cry out to God, and even in the midst of them walking down that path, we know that God has the final say. And we can rejoice even in the painful situation because God has saved our soul. Church, Hannah led from this painful situation to a point of praising and worshiping God. Church, we can worship God in the midst of that painful situation and we can lay that situation before God. You may be here today and you may say, David, I long to have a child. For some reason, uh, God has not opened my womb. And in this moment, you fall on your knees, you cry out to God, you seek His face. And even in the midst of that, you rejoice in the God of your salvation. These situations don't steal our joy, church. Maybe you're a single mother today and you're enjoying raising your child, but man, it is tough and tiring because you're, 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 you feel like you're raising them all alone. Seek the Lord. Pray to God. Lay it before Him and rejoice in the God of your salvation. Maybe it's not just children. Maybe your marriage today is on the rocks. Listen, fall on your knees. Cry out to God. Pray. And in the midst of the most painful situation, rejoice in the God of your salvation. Church, the enemy tries to make us lose sight. But God's word tells us he's holy. God's word tells us he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God's word tells us that powerful things happen when his children pray. Church, I pray today that we would rejoice in the God of our salvation. That we would respond as men and women of prayer. That we would submit our children before the Lord and submit our greatest desires every bit before God. And that we would be intentional in pouring God's word into the next generation and even the generation now as we rejoice. Tonight, today, this morning, it's not tonight yet. I want to close by doing something just a little bit different. And this may involve every person, and that's fine. But if you're going through a difficult situation, whether it's a wayward child, whether it's a marriage, whether it's uh, a longing, a desire that, that, that you just need to lay down before the Lord, I want to ask that we would be willing to stand that the church can lay hands on and pray. Did, Hannah's not, did Hannah not respond by falling on her face in prayer, pouring her soul out before the Lord, praying in her heart to God? So as Brother Aaron comes up, and in just a moment the music will play, if you're here today and you're saying, David, I, I, I'm just going through a tough situation, I'm going to ask that you be willing to stand and that we could pray over you. Church, if you see somebody standing next to you here in just a moment, I ask that you would just get up and go place your hands on their shoulder or place your hands towards them and pray for them. This is what I love about Luke 4.18. We're not just going to speak it, we're going to do it. We're going to live it out. And so if you're here today and you're saying, David, I just need prayer. I am walking through a tough situation. Would you stand at this time? And church, let's rally around those and let's pray for them. So church, if you see somebody standing, would you go and lay hands on them and pray?